1: and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time, and that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on blogtalkradio.com and on dramericarpill.com. And today is Sunday, July the 28th, and we are back live from beautiful Austin, Texas, And we have another awesome and packed show for you this evening. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this show, is here with us to make the program run as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined from Hawaii once again by author, speaker, and director and founder of the exclusive Hawaii Addiction Treatment Center, and author of Addicted to Monkey Mind, Change the Programming That Sabotages Your Life, J.F. Benoit. And this time, J.F. joins us to talk a little bit about PTSD and how monkey mind affects that and some treatment for that. So I think that's really an important topic. Um, and I, you know, I work a lot with veterans who have PTSD. So I'm really, really interested in this discussion. And then later in the program, musician Brett Marshall will join us once again from South Padre Island, Texas. Also later in the program, we'll be listening to the second interview that I did when I was at the border a few weeks ago in the Brownsville bus terminal with Team Brownsville. And I met with Sergio Cordova, Um, to talk about what's happening on the border. And in this interview, I actually interviewed one of the asylum seekers who Sergio has sponsored so that he could stay in the United States after his release from the detention center. And um, so it's an interesting interview, and Sergio translated for us. Also along the way, I'll give another sneak peek into my book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, and this evening I'm going to talk about detoxing from the critics. Um, And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions, so if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at D r m a r a k a r p e l D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And just keep in mind that if you have questions for my guests, um, to call or email while they're on the air, so they can answer them. Now, the pre-recorded interview on the border, obviously, um, they won't be able to take questions because that was pre-recorded. And you'll be able to hear this evening's program again by going to my website later this evening, and the link to the podcast will be posted along with any of the website links given by my guests. Um, and you can also hear the pro- podcast as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com B-L-O-G, slash yourgoldenears. And for information from previous programs to read my blogs um, that have posted in publications like Thrive Global and Huffington Post and a few others, um, watch videos. Of interviews that I've done with the guests who were live in the studio, as well as a few other videos that I made, and some to listen to some interviews that were on other shows where I was interviewed. Um, all of that is at my website, along with information about my book, and that is com. And you can also hear all of the previous programs that we've done here with Blog Talk Radio over the past five and a half years by going to blog, B-L-O-G, com slash your golden years. And be sure to follow me on Facebook because if you follow me on Facebook, you will find out about upcoming events, what shows coming up next, uh, when a blog posts, I immediately will post it on my Facebook page, any events coming up where I'll be speaking or anything else of interest. So my Facebook page is Dr. Mara Corpel Your Golden Years. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City, and I practice here in Austin and occasionally in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers. And for the past few, few years, my main focus has been working with veterans, Um, evaluating for PTSD, and other service-connected mental health issues. And if you want to contact me, I'm available to receive your call. My phone number is 512-626-6973. Maybe you have a question that you want to ask me, or a comment, uh, or some information that you want me to know about. You can also contact me through email. Dr. Mara at drmara@cartel.com or through my website and just click on the contact link. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakewood, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-7909, or you can email him at rdevere, that's R-D-E-V-E-R-E, at austin.rr.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by Story House. StoryHouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have StoryHouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. StoryHouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. Okay, so we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play a few of our sponsors' commercials, but it'll be very brief, so don't go anywhere, because when we come back, we'll be joined on the phone right here by J.F. Benoit, author of Addicted to Monkey Mind, Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. And we're going to talk a little bit about PTSD and other things monkey mind related. (laughs) So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Super Psychologist Dr. Mara Karpel will be back after words from our sponsors.
2: Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240.
1: All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and Your Golden Years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from beautiful Hawaii, once again, we have J.F. Benoit, who is the... the Monkey Mind. I I don't know where I went there, but (laughs) author of the book, Addicted to the Monkey Mind, Change the Programming that Sabotages Your Life. Welcome, JF.
3: Thank you so much for having me back. It's wonderful to be on your show once again.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited that you're back because we had such a great time speaking last time, and I felt like there was so much more to talk about. Um, <laughs> so so how are you? How are how is beautiful Hawaii?
3: Well, we are so blessed to live here. You know, I I pinch myself every day because I look around my surrounding. You know, I go mountain biking and do a lot of different activities, and it is so beautiful here. I mean, it's it's just an amazing experience yeah. every day the beauty that's around us, you know.
1: I can imagine. I, I've only seen it in pictures and in movies. So, I'll have to I'll have to make it over there one day soon. <laughs> so, um, so you know, the last time you were on, we had a really, really good discussion about your book, Addicted to the Monkey Mind, and and we talked a lot about addiction, and I really wanted you to come back to talk about PTSD, because we had such a interesting conversation about it on the phone um, prior to our last interview. Um, but but maybe we can start off with just talking about what is the monkey mind for those people who, who haven't read your book yet or didn't hear the last interview.
3: Yeah, that sounds good. So just that you know, as a foundation, the book was really written to begin to understand that we're mostly operating out of a mind that's been conditioned and programmed to think the way we do. And so until we really learn to sort of tame this mind, we seem to be reacting from it. So, you know, pretty much when anyone, I mean, it includes PTSD, it includes all kinds of, you know, sort of Uh, behavior that we are having that are really strong emotions, strong reactive, strong, you know, fight or flight responses that we're stuck into. So the monkey mind is really something that is, you know, I would say most of us don't really have a choice. It's just something that if you think of as a child, we're like a sponge. So we just absorb our environment. We don't have the capacity intellectually to analyze it or make sense out of it. And so that's really what the monkey mind is. It's it's a predisposed way of thinking, their maladaptive way of operating to trying to take care of ourselves as an adult today that go keep going back to sort of the, the beliefs that were adopted that were put in place when we were younger. So, you know, examples of that could be, you know, just as simple as uh, the partner saying something and then the other partner, re, you know, reacting with a strong emotion of anger well that anger it really isn't you know related to what the other person said it's related to their pre-programmed way of thinking so it could be you know the way they were raised in an environment that was critical or uh, you know all the different things that happened to us formed this monkey mind this way of thinking and we can free Mm -hmm. ourselves up from that mind you know, and it's it's a most empowering experience, and that's what the book does, right? The book follows these two characters that actually learn to free themselves from that monkey mind. And in the book, we talk in terms of developing an observing mind, and they are able to shift into a different way of seeing things, of experiencing their lives, and not being so reactive, but now just feeling really empowered in every moment to be in relation with other without feeling this sense of, survival that comes up over and over and over again.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I can really relate to that, that, you know, that we, um, somebody says something to us, we immediately go to a reaction and that may have not, may even not be all that relevant to what they said to us. Like, they might have might say something that's not even meant to be mean or unkind, and very often we'll take it that way right We'll take it the way that we well, you know I was criticized like that when I was a child or or maybe even a past relationship, right We carry those with us as well
3: yeah, and it's it's amazing how many different. Um, It's not all one way, you know, so a lot of people will say, well, I didn't grow up in a family that was critical. Well, they might have grown up in a different family, but they're still not aware of the type of programming they receive. Let let me give you an example of one that is often just missed, like people don't get it, right? So imagine you're, you're raised in a very loving family. But that family sort of is always concerned about the decision that you make because they are operating out of fear. So they're very kind, very Mm. loving, but they question every decision you make. And so as an adult, you don't realize that every time you come to make a decision, you're filled with anxiety, and you don't know why. But you're reacting from a fight-or-flight response because you never really learn to fully trust Mm -hmm. what you think. You see, I mean – you know, the trauma and this programming and conditioning mm-hmm. gets formed in so many different ways, and, and most people are not aware of it. And, you know, I, I think that's why the book is being so popular right now is because we're getting so much feedback that they're saying, oh, my gosh, this is so relatable. Like, you're talking about me. Like, this is what I'm going through. And and it's it's very freeing to first realize what is really going on, you know?
1: Mm-hmm, hmm And I'm glad you said that about your family. You don't have to come from a a trauma type of situation while you're growing up. You can come from a very loving family but still be programmed to have a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, Absolutely. That, yeah, and I think that, you know, that truly does get missed because we'll say, well, you know i came from a loving family where could this possibly come from i didn't have any trauma in my life
3: <laughs> it's funny how many times we hear that and 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 then we go well why is there so much you know reaction and and so much uh you know chaos in your life and it's like oh well yeah that's true
1: right 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 and you know we carry on some of this for generations right so your parents might have been very loving parents but might have gone through trauma themselves.
3: Absolutely. And so, and so, much, yeah. Yeah, so much of this is unconscious, right? It's not right. It really until we make it conscious, it really is not clear to us. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And they, you know, parents who have been through trauma but are very loving parents themselves. Uh, are likely to spend most of their, you know, their child raising years trying to protect you from trauma. And that's the constant message to be careful because I don't want this to happen to you.
3: Makes perfect sense, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then you
3: not, you you, not, you kind of
1: learn that same fear as if you had been through the trauma.
3: Right, and the parents don't realize that part of what's being transferred is the child learns to not trust themselves. So they're in a constant Mm -hmm. state of doubt about what they think or even about taking a risk in life, which is not conducive to healthy thinking, right? If you're constantly doubting yourself, my gosh, that produces a lot of anxiety. Right,
1: right yeah you know there's been a lot of research on the children of holocaust survivors mhm um you know, and it's as if the children themselves have been through a trauma right right you know they a lot of their um reactions are pretty similar to someone with p t s d
3: yeah, and a lot yeah. of it, this is not logical. That's the important thing to understand. It's more like we have to remember that, you know, it, uh, there, the cliché saying is that 70% of communication is nonverbal, but it's not just a cliché. This is something that's actually true, which is most of gets what the information that gets transferred gets transferred at a nervous system level, at a body level, and even more when mm-hmm. you were children, Right. So the parents walks in the room, they carry all of their trauma with them, and whether they like it or not, if they're not really fully conscious, they, they get to transfer all of that energetically. You know, so and that begins to form patterns of thoughts eventually as the as the child grows up to be an adult. Right.
1: So now how can we undo,
3: especially if we've been
1: through our own trauma and have PTSD or even carry the trauma of our parents, you know, and have sort of vicarious trauma, um, how do we undo that?
3: Yeah, that's a wonderful question. And I'm really glad that we're talking specifically about PTSD today because I think there is some misunderstanding about it. Okay, so I know a lot of people think that in order to have PTSD, for example, you, you had to go through something extremely traumatic. Well, we're beginning to see that that might not be the case, right? So if we mm-hmm. look at the most layman's term definition of PTSD, it would be this. It's the inability to shake off a negative cognition. So what that really means hmm. is I'm, my mind is caught in a pattern of thoughts, that keeps repeating itself over and over and over that produces, right, this immense amount of anxiety that then prevents me from functioning, okay? So how many of us can think, and to a certain level, that we're caught in different levels of PTSD? So somebody imagine somebody could have financial issues, and they're caught in it, and, and maybe this goes on for years. So they might be different levels. It's mm-hmm. no different, though, than somebody who's been to the Vietnam War. It's, it's it's still the same principle. So we have to look first through the lens of, oh, okay, so, you know, and it does go back to this monkey mind, which is that the, the monkey mind has a good intention. It's to protect myself from having more trauma occur or more disaster happen. But the strategy of this monkey mind is actually rooted in – and influenced by the events that it went through and by the way we were raised. And so it really isn't, uh, the most efficient, you know, way of thinking that can get me out of it. So it's kind of like, you know, Einstein said the, you know, the most profound thing, you can't solve the problem from the same mindset that created it. Right. So that's a little bit of what's unfolding there. Right. So, so imagine that if we can first establish, okay, that, um, it's, it's not our fault. First of all, we have to bring a lot of compassion to PTSD. So mm-hmm. I would say one of the first ingredients is to start to have more of an attitude of blessing. So it's just like of welcoming the experience itself. And that, that is one thing that I think is oftentimes not, um, not taught for most people with PTSD is, is you know, Think of the mindset that a person has around anxiety is let's get rid of it, right? Let's move away from it, right? Right. Mm Great. Now, here's the other part that's really important. So we know as therapists that one of the important steps to take is we understand that we have to look at the pathology of it. We have to be able to go back and revisit those experiences, and somehow the real solution it's to be able to navigate it, but this time in the present moment, here and now, to create a different outcome. That's ultimately what will actually change the pattern of thought, okay? is to be in my adult self and be able to see that I am this person who's different now than when this has, has occurred, okay? And in that uh-huh. place, I can actually create a different belief, right? But here's the thing. Before we can get there, there's something extremely important that oftentimes is a link to be able to build the strength to get there that is missed. And the first step that we worked with with PTSD is what we call building resiliency. Does that make sense? Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So what, So what I mean by that is imagine someone with PTSD is like a car with no gasoline in it. And you're asking the car to suddenly move forward and maybe even start doing some off-road things. It's like, no, it's like there's no car, uh-huh. There's no gasoline in the car. There's not enough resources for this car to function, okay? So imagine mm-hmm. that PTSD is like that. So we can't start going into the trauma until the person is in the current state in the here and now of resiliency, so imagine simple things that we can do. You start working with a PTSD person, and they can do that in their own lives. Actually, you start thinking about come up with let's come up with five ways in your life that you can think of that you overcame something that initially when it first started you thought you couldn't you couldn't overcome. And it could be as simple as um, you know I. I remember the first time I learned how to ride a bike and I was with my brother or my sister or whatever. And I really thought I kept falling off the bike. I thought I could, couldn't make it. And then something happened mm-hmm. and I just, you know, I, and my brother looked at me and said, you know what, look at you, look at how strong you are. You've, you've been falling off 20 times, and, you know, so now I'm bringing back, this is a visceral experience. Okay. This is not a positive affirmation now these are real events that have occurred and that pattern of thought in that moment actually existed. Does that make sense? Great.
1: And it, and you said visceral. So it's also in your body. You can remember with yeah. your body falling off the bike and the pain of that and,
3: you know, exactly. and then
1: the outcome. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And so, so now what we're starting to do is we're looking at the here and now. Okay. We're looking at the here and now, through the lens of times in the past that I have been resilient. And then we can say, okay, so can you see how you actually are resilient, right? You've been able to handle situations situation that you thought you couldn't handle. Yeah, I can feel that. Now I begin to take ownership of that, okay? Now as we start talking about specific things, so we move into another realm of, so the first step is building resiliency. The second step is building skills. So the skills mm-hmm. of, for example, recognizing what is rising up in my body as an experience. Because when, when my experience of PTSD occurs, oftentimes people don't have the skills to be present with it in their bodies. And so if you keep ex- escaping that moment, you can never resolve it. It's like now you're moving away from your car, and you're thinking that that's going to help you fix it. But you can't. Right. Right right? So the second Mm -hmm. step in, and this is what we teach a lot, that's really, and people get excited, we start teaching skills. One of the skills that's really useful is skills of inquiry. I talk a lot about that in the book. I illustrate it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to begin to leave space between the thought that I'm having and the meaning of it, right? Beginning to sort of, oh, well, you know, so and including experiences in the body. So, so you're, you're, I've noticed that your leg is starting to twitch as you're talking. Oh, I didn't notice that. Okay. So if, if the leg could speak, what is it trying to say to you right now? It has information in it. Emotions have information in it. Right?
0: So mm-hmm. now,
3: and if, if at any point we, what we have to do with PTSD is regulate the here and now. You see what I mean? So if we're talking about the past, we have to have the skill to be able to come back to the here and now. Because if we over identify with the past, now we're starting to regress again. We're not right. really creating change. Yeah. And we get lost in it. And that is why people don't fully recover from PTSD, right? Because they might be doing therapy that that just actually You know, we think we're heading in the right direction, but because we're not really learning self-regulation skill, we're actually sort of recreating the experience in in itself. Right. You know, I'm glad you said
1: that. It's very exciting. Yeah, but so many of the vets that I see, they go through a type of treatment where they talk about what happened over and over and over again. Um, I guess the goal is to desensitize themselves to it but they're not given those skills like you just said of, of bringing themselves back to the present and um, sometimes they get worse because they because they get lost in it and they're just re-experiencing
3: it in the present. Absolutely and this I see a lot. I see a lot. Even It exists even with uh, addiction, right? Uh, drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things. It's the same principle meaning And and by the way, we're not saying that this is not a step that's necessary. We have to actually have the capacity to go back and be able to navigate it. So imagine the third step, right? So what I'm suggesting is the first step is actually – to be able to build a resiliency in the body in the here and now, see how strong I actually am. The second is to build the skills of inquiry and self-regulation, come back to the body, use breath, do those different things. And then the third one is what actually those therapists are doing, okay? But but if you don't have the first two steps, you're actually making it extremely challenging for them because it's 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 more sort of re-entering the same pattern of thought without having any equipment to now navigate it to the here and now. Because the here right. and now is where I have the ability to actually see accurately what, what is true now, what is true in this moment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's very different right. than my trauma, right? Because my trauma is being superimposed on the here and now. It's not really here, right? The majority right. of what happens Funny. that stress people out—they're just projecting something from the past into the present moment.
1: Right. It just feels like it's here all the time.
3: <laughs> and and it does. It's it's amazing how the brain has this ability to fool us, right? It becomes real mm-hmm. as if it was mm-hmm. in the here and now, but it isn't. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think it's mm-hmm. important to. For most people I say start with a lot of love and compassion. A lot of love and compassion. And and what I mean by that is, you know, love is is, is the strongest qualities that we all possess. Because when we mm-hmm. when we and, and love is based on acceptance of what is, right? So the first thing to know is in order for me to build Uh, this acceptance that I have PTSD, not reject it, not run away from it. I can't be afraid of it, right? And if you look at it, that's what happens for most people with PTSD. They have anxiety, and they're afraid of their own anxiety. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, uh, as long as you stay in anxiety in the here and now, you're not going to be able to get out of it. Right,
1: and anxiety causes people to avoid, right? And when you avoid, then, then the anxiety gets
3: worse. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the most important realization of the conditioning we all suffer from is that we have been taught that anything that's uncomfortable, we should avoid it at all costs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So em- emotions, if you ask people, you know, what emotions do you want? They'll say, I want happy. Okay, well, if you repress your anger, do you get happy? No, you don't. Right. You have an experience of repressed emotions. So all experiences in the body have to be honored if you want happy you know um i mm-hmm. don 't know I think you know about brenny brown the 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 one of the pieces of research that she found is that she started researching people who were truly happy, right, and she wanted to find out what was the difference between somebody who' was able to be consistently centered and not in a state of anxiety but actually present and happy and what she found uh-huh. is that they they all had the same view of life which was that all experiences have to be welcome. So they had a high capacity for discomfort. They had a high capacity for, hey, when I'm sad, I'm going to experience sad now. And sad is going to make its way through me. And I'm going to (laughs) find myself back to being happy again. But in our conditioning, we've been conditioned, right? And it's really awesome how you see that in in addicted to the monkey mind right that you see these two characters and all the other characters that come in that you you see that that's epidemic in our society right it's like that's what's ruling all of our thinking is is that we want to avoid a, a discomfort at all costs as if that's going to make us happy or take care of ourselves
1: right right and that just leads to addiction
3: <laughs> it leads right? to all kinds of crazy behaviors uh workaholic, yep. you know uh, all kinds of things,
1: yeah, and you know we have a professional sports game on air three hundred and sixty four days of the year. That's what I've been told, and some people just like totally you know that becomes their life, watching sports, which you know sports can are healthy, right, but that's taking something healthy to an unhealthy level, um just to avoid right eating, Um, you you know, we can binge eat, Uh, uh, just people binge watch Netflix, right? (laughs) So things that we typically think of as really not addictions, people become addicted to them to just that, exactly what you just said.
3: And it's, you know, it's not, I think, again, we need to be able to bring back compassion because oftentimes one of the things I notice is as we teach about the monkey mind and as even like I I get so many people right now writing to me and they're saying things like, well, I notice my my own monkey mind, but I've noticed my partner has a monkey mind too. And then my mother has a monkey mind and it seems like everybody has it. And how do I deal with all of this? Right. And so here's, mm-hmm. here's the thing that's happening is, is then what, the, the thing that we don't see that we do is we get lost as if it's not our job to fix other people's monkey mind. It's not our job to change other people, right? And so we mm-hmm. get distracted on top of it. So not only are we not conscious that we're avoiding our own discomfort, we now get busy. It's like walking in a living room. I love saying this example. Right? You walk in the living room of your house and you're feeling anxious and you think that if you rearrange the furniture in the living room, somehow that's going to make you feel better. Well, you know, it's not. It's, It's the same as saying, you know, if my partner wasn't, you know, this way or that way, I wouldn't feel so anxious. It's like, well, no, not exactly. Your programming is what uh-huh. makes you feel anxious. It's not your partner. It's not the situation. You know. Right. Right. I think we, that, we, that got, that's we got to come back to more it. love.
1: Yeah, I think that part is really hard. It's, you must find a lot of resistance. I'm, um, I'm just guessing. With. 'Cause I've well, run into that with clients where you say it's not the situation, it's your it's your reaction to it or how you know, your programming that creates the reaction. Um we're we're also programmed to see everything as caused by external events. Yep.
3: Yeah. Boy, do we buy into that, you know? Uh four yeah. line hook and sinker, right? We we just we've been and here's the thing, the resistance that we are experiencing, we have to remember that what's happening is our sense of self, okay, feels under attack. That's where the confusion occurs. Even PTSD is, is a form of survival, right? It's as if my life is in danger right now. And it's, it's not true that it is the same is true as when I feel like my character is being attacked that is not what is happening my character was attacked a long time ago my sense of survival you know was threatened a long time ago when I was in that war it's not true it's not here in the here and now and so if you think of the resistance that people are having about looking at themselves it's more rooted in a survival mechanism, right? It's 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 saying, well, wait, 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 this started to feel too dangerous. So that's why mm-hmm. I want to come back again to helping them build the resiliency first. Brings them, gives them the capacity to let go and not be so resistant. You know, right. and it's it's, and that's why. And it's, it's very subtle how we build this sense of our resiliency, but it's really important because we have to be able to recognize that, look, I mean, if you look at everybody, pretty much if you look at their lives and you saw a video of everything that's happened to them, you would start thinking, wow, we are resilient. This is crazy that we all survived through all these different things that have happened to us. You know, it's like uh-huh. Joseph Campbell talked about that our life is like a hero's journey. It's full of little hero's journey. Think from the time, the first time you go to school, you've never been to school, the cliche of like being terrified of, you know, going to school and being rejected, right? Everything yeah. from that to having your first baby, getting married, going to college, uh, buying your first car, learning how to drive. I mean, just everything we do is full of these little hero's journey. And then there's, there's trauma. If you throw trauma in the mix and all the different things just start happening, We don't have a sense of our resiliency, and that's part of the Mm -hmm. problem. We're in a monkey mind that would rather predict doom than predict that we're strong, that we can handle things. Isn't that amazing? It wants to protect us by telling us, right, a story of we won't be able to handle it, and we don't realize it. We subscribe to that. Right.
1: Right. You know, and it's very uh, crazy.
3: I, yeah,
1: it is. But I can see the 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 reason for it being, you know, when we were in trauma, when we were, you know, we had to have the alert, we had to look for danger. Right. So our mind is trained that way <clears throat> to always look for danger, keep ourselves safe. Well, and thank you for
3: saying that. And
1: Yeah, this is where the
3: compassion comes in, right? This is where the compassion comes in because you're absolutely right. So, for example, in the book, Kevin, you know, is raised by a father who says, oh, come on, just rub some dirt on it. Stop crying. You know, stop being a sissy. Uh, Be more like like your brother or whatever. So what what is the son to do when you grow up with a message like that where you know you're going to get the brunt of it if you show emotion? Well, you have to shut down. Right. And mm-hmm. so that very, that very adaptive way of taking care of ourselves works, you know, when we're children, but then, you know, as you see in the book, you know, when he grows to be older, he's trying to have intimate relationship, you know, with, with partners and it's collapsing on him because he consistently cannot have, uh, show intimacy. He can't have intimacy because he can't show his emotion. And now today right. it's sabotaging his life. Right. And that's mm-hmm. really what programming does, It's just that we're still somehow hooked to the belief that the way to take care of ourselves is through these maladaptive ways of coping with our environment that we're learned, right, and conditioned, and mm-hmm. it's unconscious. That's the other right. part that's ironic. You know, right. that the one, one thing I say in the book that I, I think is one of the most, it's, most ironic thing when you look at it is if you were to ask people literally, I, I've, I've tested this over the years and you ask them why they drink. Okay. The majority of people will tell you that they go to social events and they drink to take the, the, what they call the edge off, you know?
4: Mm-hmm. And,
3: and it's just like, but nobody ever, ever, ever even thinks to stop for a second and say, what edge are you talking about? <laughs> the, <laughs> the edge off of what? Right. <laughs> there's, an, there's an edge? <laughs> so you just walk into to meet people and suddenly there's an edge? Well, no, the, the edge was there before you even walked into the room. That's the condition right. monkey mind, you know? Right.
1: So, JF, if people are interested, because this is really just so fascinating. Your book is so wonderful because you touch on all of this. And um, if, if listeners are interested in finding out more about you and about your, um, your center in Hawaii and about the book and even purchasing the book, how can they do that?
3: Wonderful. So uh, the main website is three words spelled out. It's theexclusivehawaii.com. So those three words, the word the, T-H-E, exclusive, E-X-E, C L U S I V E Hawaii H A W A I I dot com. So, on that website, it's the best place to actually purchase the book. Um, we're offering it half off with free shipping. So, it's $9.99 mm-hmm. $9. $9 for the book instead of being $19.99 $9. $9 plus shipping. Um, you can that's also find it on Amazon. It's, yeah, so that's the best way to get the book. Uh, You can also find out more. There's great things to read on that that website because I talk about experiential engagement therapy, about core belief restructuring, and a lot of, you know, the things that can be really helpful to people. We also have a blog on that website called Addicted to the Monkey Mind blog, and we're posting every week. Uh, It's like a continuity of the book, so it's really fun. People are loving that because they really enjoyed reading the book, and now they keep reading relatable stories about different issues. Mm. we actually wrote one about PTSD uh, for the Fourth of July, so there's a lot of things that, that are happening on that website. I encourage people to go there. Uh, of course, if they prefer to go through the regular channel, we are on Amazon. you can find uh, Kindle paperback. you can find it uh, there as well and um, yeah, and I, I just I just again want to say to all the listeners too, that there's a way to really that's really important to realize that none of this that everything, every problem we ever have in our lives, there is a solution to it. And we we just have to remember that, you know. It's not because we're stuck in a mind that tells us otherwise that that means that's true, you know. And developing a new mindset is one of the most empowering things we can possibly do. So I, yeah. I really encourage people to to read the book because of that, because it's so life-transforming to be able to have that foundation of understanding how we actually Get out of this monkey mind,
1: yeah, and that's really, really important and i'm I'm going to post that information on my website, and I'm going to start following your blog because that sounds great, um, awesome, yeah, well, thank you so much for coming back on the program, and you know you're always welcome back because there's just so much to talk about as you can see, you know we we end up having a end when there's so much more to talk about so i'd love to have you back on again in the future and um and enjoy hawaii lucky you thank you (laughs)
3: thank you so much it's absolutely a a blessing to be on the show with you and yeah i mean maybe someday you could just come here and we can do the show from here sitting under the palm tree
1: oh that sounds awesome um, I'm, I may just pick you up on that. <laughs> I could,
3: I can take you surfing, right. you know. <laughs> uh, uh-huh.
1: Great. <laughs> all right. You have a good afternoon. It's it's pretty early Thank over there. Thank you so much. So enjoy it, your it, it day. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay. And
3: and and blessings to all the listeners.
1: All right. Bye bye now. Aloha. Aloha. All right. We're going to take a brief break, and we have lots more to come, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is
0: Dr. Mara Carpet. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Merrick and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us
2: on the web at www.drmerrickharpell.com.
1: All right, and we are back. And if you're joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And um, before we go to the interview that I pre-recorded on the border, I, I said I would talk a little bit about um, dealing with critics, which now in in light of the interview with J.F. Benoit, I have another few points about that. But um, let me just quickly fill you in on the news. Uh, I was interviewed by Carrie Hummingbird on Wednesday on her um, Zoom radio show. So it's a video and audio. Again, another one of those is called Soul Nectar. It was so much fun. And that will be aired on August the 18th. And then after that, you can watch it any time. It'll be on her website. It'll be on my website. And I will be posting the link to that and telling you the next time how you can listen. And um, there's a little... Uh, if you go to my Facebook page, there's a sizzler that she created with pieces of that interview. And Carrie's going to be on my show the week before that airs. While I'm in New York, she's going to be on the show on August 11th. So um, so that'll be fun. And my July 11th interview with um, Indie Beacon Radio, you can see and hear both in uh, SoundCloud and also on the Facebook video on my Facebook page. And that was July 11th. And I'm going to end that, the news there. Um, I have some blogs coming out, et cetera. So just stay tuned to my Facebook page. So one of the issues that came up in the interview that I did with Carrie Hummingbird was the the idea that um, we will be criticized no matter what we do. And if we follow our dreams, we will be criticized. So I've spoken about that on the program, but it made me want to revisit that. And, and so I want to talk a little bit about criticism. So, you know, I've, I've talked about how there are four essential pillars of, having, of living a passionate life. And one is um, gratitude, gratitude, Another pillar is allowing yourself to dream and follow your dreams. Uh, Third would be compassion. And a fourth is generosity. And three of those four pillars are likely to elicit criticism from other people. So it doesn't mean that you're on the wrong path when people criticize you. but these naturally will, will cause other people to want to criticize you. It, it's going to happen. It's a definite. So as J.F. was talking about, if you're pre-programmed to fear other people's criticism, then you're likely to not want to follow um, the path of following, of following your dreams. And um, because you're going to, as soon as you hit upon criticism, it's going to stir up that feeling, that pre-programming, as JF was talking about, that I must be doing something wrong or, you you know, this is, I'm a bad person. Whatever it is that you have learned about criticism from your past is going to be stirred up by that. So you're going to stop as soon as you criticize and you're not going to follow your, you're not going to follow a passionate life. You're not going to follow your dreams or allow yourself to dream. Even you're not going to uh, show compassion. You're not going to show generosity because all three of these, um, all three of these paths will lead to criticism and your fear of Criticism from pre-programming is going to stop you. Um, people will criticize you um, when you allow yourself to dream because um, those people who are pre-programmed if to use J. F. Benmoir's you know terminology that um, you must grow up. And, you know, when you become an adult, you must have a mature way of thinking and that, and that a mature way of thinking means that you no longer dream, that dreams are for children and not for adults. And so their, their pre-programming, their belief is then projected onto you when you start to have dreams and you talk about them and this is something that I want to do with my life. Um they're going to react. And your reaction to their reaction is based on your pre programming. So if you feel like I must not be criticized by other people, um, it's gonna cause you to shut down or become really angry, um, or want to retaliate, or feel really upset, feel really um put down. Um so Having that awareness is, is really important, that this is not, a, this is not a, about you. This is not, this is not even real. So it's really okay to, if you want to have a passionate life, it's actually really necessary to allow yourself to dream. And where is it written that dreaming is not for adults? Okay, so as an adult you want to be responsible, but dreaming and following a dream does not mean that you're not being responsible. There are many very successful people who we read about, we we read their books, we watch them on television, we we really we wish that we were them. They're so successful and we see them as very responsible people, but they were people who followed their dream and that's why they are. That's why we're reading about them or watching them on television. Um, so you, they're not mutually exclusive things. Following a dream and being responsible are not opposite. Uh, you know, so you can be both. Um, if you open your heart to other people, if you feel compassion and then act on that with generosity, which is the two, two more pillars Um, very important aspects of living a passionate life then you are going to run into people who will not share in that generosity or compassion and will put you down for it will criticize you for it and that's what we see a lot today going on there are people who are very compassionate and generous and helping people who other people feel that you shouldn't be helping them what about these people you should be helping these people instead rather than the mindset of understanding because they have been pre-programmed perhaps that our heart are very limited in their capacity, or or that we or live in a very scarce uh, world, that there's only enough room in our heart and there's only enough, um, you know, resources to be able to help a certain limited number of people, and so we need to pick and choose who we help and the other people forget about them. But that's really their own programming That's their own belief. And the reality is that our hearts are really infinite in our ability to feel love and compassion. And really, we do have amazing amounts of resources to be helping a lot of people, all different people. So helping one person doesn't mean that you can't help another person. Um, but people will criticize you when you... When you help or have compassion for people that they nece- that they don't necessarily agree should be where your focus is. So you will run into criticism. And now how will you deal with it? How will you um, deal with that criticism? And, again, if you have that mindset that I shouldn't be criticized or it's terrible, then you might stop and just go back to living um, a life that just um, is the expectation of what other people have for you. Um, Or you might feel really, um, start questioning yourself, have a lot of doubt about yourself, feel really sad or feel really angry and you want to take it out on other people, you want to fight back towards those people, which is really sort of a waste of energy. And and, you know, it's okay to feel that for a few moments and then recognize and say, you know, that's not really going to get me anywhere. It's kind of taking away from living my life of passion. And we see that on social media, right? We get into these arguments with people. At the end of the day, we look and say, Wow, that was such a waste of energy. Where did it get me? It Where it got me was feeling bad and getting off the track of living my life of passion. So that would I would say would be the first thing to do, and it's it's one that I'm always working on myself is to disconnect. Don't pay attention to those people who criticize, and especially on something like social media. Just like that's their belief and that's it walk away from it you know one of the um the the truths that helps you to be able to do that and to not feel not take on the criticism um as as belonging to you when somebody criticizes you is understanding that people strike out when they themselves are experiencing their own deep emotional pain. And sometimes people will put you down for what you're doing, for following your dream or following your compassion or, you know, um, living a passionate life. People will put you down for it. Um, Those people who have a need to put other people down – are dealing with their own issues of feeling not good enough. And they believe that by putting somebody else down, then they um, it puts them above you. So it's, it's not true, but that's their belief. And so if you can see that it's they're coming from their own feeling of inferiority, then you can sort of let it go, maybe even have compassion for them. And understanding that that's where it's coming from. Now that doesn't make their behavior okay, but it helps you in to not take it personally. Now, if you've ever read um, Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, that's one of the agreements: don't take anything personally. It's not about you. So um, nothing others do is because of you. It's because of their own. Um, thoughts and their own beliefs. So if you can not take it personally, then it won't, then you don't attach to it. It doesn't affect your, your life. And you can keep going on and living a passionate life without worrying about it. And as I said, it doesn't mean that, um, that it's okay. And if if you're hanging around with a person that constantly puts you down you might want to choose to not hang around that person. So that's another tip is to surround yourself with positive people who, people who treat you with love and respect because they have love and respect for themselves. So how a person feels about themselves is how they're going to treat other people. So, um, it's really good to be around people who have love and respect for themselves and treat you with love and respect, not only because it feels good, but because it's actually teaching you, they're modeling for you how to treat yourself with love and respect. And, um, and because then you don't have to deal with toxic um, things that people say and do. So you can forgive people who criticize you and have an understanding that this is coming from their own issues, but you don't necessarily have to be around them and and make them the people that you spend your time with. You can choose who you spend your time with. Um, And, you know, practicing mindfulness is really helpful because then we can take a step back we can learn to slow down our thinking and take our step a step back and away from the toxic criticism that other people are sending your way, and we're able to see it more clearly as not being about us, that it is about them. And, it's, and as JF was talking about, it's also not about the criticism that we've had in our life when we were growing up or our past experience a past relationship it's none of that you're a, when you're when you practice mindfulness you're able to be in the present so that you can see things a lot more clearly that what is happening right now is not related to anything really related to you um, and you know, I think it's really important to not get stuck in the mindset of things are black and white. And a lot of the time when we feel criticized by other people and we feel the need to fight back and argue with them, we get into a black and white way of viewing the the um, subject that we're arguing about or just black and white about the world and about ourselves and about them. Um, most, things, most things exist in the world of gray, in different shades of gray. So there's no point in arguing about some of these issues. And if somebody criticizes you, there's no point in arguing about it. So we can sort of just let it go and um, not get into personally attacking back if somebody personally attacks you. And I guess the question really that you have to ask yourself is are you willing to overcome the um, criticism of other people in order to follow your soul's calling? Or are you willing to give up your... The, your soul's calling, to ignore the calling of your soul of what you're supposed to be doing in order to please other people and um, and avoid, as we were just talking about in the interview, avoid the negative event, which is in this case being criticized by other people. So it's a, it's a question that that you might have to ask yourself every day. um, Am I willing to give up on my dreams, on my calling, on what I feel that is the best way for me to serve um, humankind and to find joy in my life because I'm afraid of what other people will say? Um, Okay, so on that note, I want to. I just want to let you know that I did just receive a message from Art, the producer, that Brett Marshall, the musician, has been rescheduled. Um, we were having some difficulty downloading the music, so the next time he is on in September, we will be able to play the music that he sent us. Um, but we're going to now play the interview um, that I was talking about earlier that I did on the border. Um, A few weeks ago when I visited the bus terminal in Brownsville, Texas, and I met with Sergio Cordova of Team Brownsville to talk about what was happening on the border. And I got to interview one of the young men who is an asylum seeker that Sergio has sponsored so that he could stay in the U.S. after he was released from a detention center. And um, so this is the interview with Guy Tan, and Sergio is translating for us. This is Dr. Mara Cartel and I am here again at the Brownsville bus station with Sergio Cordova and Yaikon. And Yaikon was released from detention um, from, where did he come from, Sergio? Uh,
5: Que donde eres? Soy de Gu.
1: Cuba. 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 Okay. okay. And uh, Sergio has sponsored him so that he could move. He could be released from detention. And so, what I'd like to just talk about is get a brief report of what it was like in detention. How long was he there for? <laughs>
5: ¿Cuántos días estuviste en detención y luego que describas un poco cómo fue esa experiencia en la detención?
6: Eh, en el centro de detención exactamente tuvo tres meses. Entré un 7 de septiembre y salí un 7 de diciembre. Eh, esa experiencia que tuve en el centro de detención no se la no se la aconsejo a nadie.
5: Tuvo tres meses. Three months. Three months exactly in detention. And he says that. He doesn't wish that on his worst enemy, the, the
1: experience. And
5: why is that? Y por qué tuvo tan mal?
6: Eh, fueron tres meses muy difíciles. En primera, porque no, no tenía familia aquí. En segunda, porque la atención no fue muy, muy buena que digamos. Eh, la comida tampoco fue buena que digamos. The
5: worst part is, is that he didn't have family here, mm-hmm. so he was alone, and the conditions that people didn't treat him well, and that the food was not very good at all.
1: How was he mistreated, if he
5: doesn't mind saying? How were the in the detention?
6: In reality, the not but they were psychological. Fueron un maltrato psicológico, <coughs> disculpe, donde la, eh, la comida que tú no te la querías comer en ese momento, la guardaba, te la quitaba. Eh, a veces te decían cosas como que para pa molestarte. Y fue un poco difícil, fue un poco difícil el maltrato ahí, psicológicamente ahí dentro del centro de detención.
5: Per se, but they were emotional. Of what they would tell you, uh, if you didn't eat the food right there and then, then it was thrown away. If you wanted to stay it for later, that's not allowed. And so, a lot of things that they tell you is emotional abuse. What sort of things did they tell him? What clases de cosas
6: te decían que te que si no tenía nadie aquí te viramos para Cuba eh yo pedí hablar con alguna gente me decían que no, que no podían de que no estaban aquí, estando ahí que yo los veía y siempre era una mentira, siempre te estaban como que mañana y si mañana no pasado y nunca te decían la verdad, siempre te estaban ocultando algo
5: and when he would ask for help to speak to an official, they would always say, no, they're not here, they're not here, they're not here. And so it was always a lie, like they were hiding something.
1: Was he in one of those ice boxes?
5: ¿Tú ¿Te metieron, a sí, me metieron en la hielera? Sí, me metieron a la hielera. ¿Cuántos días?
6: En la hielera tuve 24 horas.
5: It was one whole day, 24 hours.
1: What was that like?
5: ¿Y cómo fue eso? Describe
6: cómo es la hielera. La heredera es un lugar herméticamente cerrado, donde te pueden meter 10, puedes meter 15, hay un solo baño. El agua ahí mismo la toma, no te dan para asearte, el aire acondicionado está todo el tiempo encendido, te dan un, un papel brilloso para que te tapes, que no se sabe si te está dando frío más frío, o te está dando más calor, en realidad no tapa nada. Es como para ellos cumplir un catálogo de que te dieron algo para taparte, pero en realidad eso no hace ninguna función.
4: The,
6: the
5: crowding is, is terrible. People are on top of each other, and they give you that that sheet. He says that you don't know if it's giving you warmth or giving you cold, because it serves no purpose. Uh, it's a
4: very thin Very thin sheet,
5: thin sheet that mm-hmm. aluminum sheet.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's very
5: very cold.
1: Right. What was the just, what was the reason that he came here?
5: ¿Cuál era la razón que tuvo en aquí? La
6: razón de que él vine para acá para, para los Estados Unidos es para para una mejora económicamente y y pasarir de régimen, pasarir de régimen, catritsa que Infelizmente, a nosotros los cubanos nos podemos decir mucho.
5: To leave the regiment, the government, and to come for economic reasons to uh-huh. have a better life.
6: Uh-huh.
5: Ok. ¿Estuviste so, en prisión alguna vez? En Cuba no. La cárcel.
6: He tenido. Pero no, prisión como que tal dos, tres, cuatro, cinco años no. Yeah.
5: He was detained for several days in a, a jail-like thing, but never in, in prison for a long period of time.
4: Uh-huh.
5: For political
6: reasons? Yeah. For political reasons?
5: <clears throat> the reason he was thrown in jail was because he tried to get Cuba Two times before and didn't make it.
4: Um, the Coast Guard picked him up before
5: he arrived in the US and was sent back.
1: Okay. okay. So you're seeking
5: asylum? So yes. See? Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
1: And thank you, Sergio, for making this happen. And um, we're going to air this on my radio show. And I want to thank you again. And I want to thank Subway for letting us use their restaurant here at the bus depot. And um, again, this is Dr. Mara Karpel. And youth have no age. All right. So that was the interview that we did with Guy Tan. You know there are many stories similar to that and so i really you know um i've spoken about compassion and i mentioned just before that one of the comments that i have heard from people is that how can you you know have compassion and generosity for these people over here when there are so many other people who need your compassion and generosity and um, my response is that, our, again, our hearts are infinite, and we can have compassion for all of them, and we can be generous. And as I mentioned on Carrie Hummingbirds' program, which you you can hear in the future, um, is that you know we don't all have unlimited energy, so an unlimited time. So if I choose to help group A and you choose to help group B, that's a way of working together. We I can have compassion for groups A and B, but but decide to put my time and my energy or my resources into A and and you put your time and energy and resources into B and someone else into group C and You know, it's teamwork, we're working together, but that doesn't mean that we can't have compassion for everyone. And um, as Elie Wiesel, who is very well known, concentration camp survivor and author and speaker, um, after having been through the Holocaust himself, um, he, he is quoted as saying, human suffering anywhere concerns men and women everywhere. So let me repeat that again. Human suffering anywhere concerns men and women everywhere. And I really, you know, I think that that's, that is really the key to world peace is really understanding that we are all connected and it's not about who's in my tribe or my network and who who deserves my compassion and who is outside and doesn't deserve it but that we are all connected and we have to help everyone and or at least have compassion for everyone and because of because we're all going to be affected by it since we are connected. Okay, so on that note, we're going to end the program a little early because Brett Marshall is rescheduled for September the 8th. And um, before I go, I want to let you know what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. So I'm headed to New York for a few weeks, and next Sunday, August 4th, I will have just gotten there, so we're playing an encore of the show with Dr. Michael DeMaria, uh tailored moment, and bassist James E. Neal. So we'll be playing that next Sunday, August 4th. And then the following Sunday, August 11th, we have a great program coming live from New York City. I'll be on air from New York, and I'll be joined by Carrie Hummingbird, who, whose show I was just interviewed on, and she'll be here in Austin. And um, she's an intuitive healer, a host of the Inspirational Weekly Podcast Soul Nectar Show, and author of the international bestseller that just launched. I just went to the launch party this morning to pick up a copy of the book, uh, The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we will also have on that program, um, let's see, Cass Clayton. She's going to be our musician, and she's also going to give us a little bit of longer interview to talk about how she followed her passion into music, and so um, that'll be a fun show. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this program and learn about upcoming shows, um, listen to previous programs, read my blogs go to my website, drmaracarpel.com and also follow me on Facebook for all of the up-to-the-minute news, Dr. Maricarpel, Your Golden Years. So later tonight, I'll be posting the links along with the podcast to the program um, so that you can get all the information that my guests spoke about. And if you want to hear their e- this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now, you can go directly to Blog Talk Radio, blog slash your golden years. And this program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment Postal Productions and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist Dr. Ronald DeVere and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests J.F. Benoit, and thank you to Sergio Cordova and Gaitan, and of course, thank you to Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night, an inspiring week, and remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone.
2: Carpel is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpel for sponsors nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
5: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? uh ha! in my dentist's office.